Welcome back to another edition of the Power Podcast. This week, I'm joined by Birdie. Hi, how's it going? And Forty. G'day, fellas. And Ham, unfortunately, is out this week. He's just had a little bit of a family comeuppance. Nothing um, particularly bad. Just needs to help a family member out. So let's jump straight into it with Flag um, from last week going out against the Newcastle Knights. They went down 26-6. to Twiddle going over with Nutty uh, kicking the conversion. Uh, Noah Reed sent off in the 17th minute, so that gives you an indication of why uh, we went so poorly, given we are... Uh, Without a the old Victor Radley, the majority of the Graham. Um, did you guys have what, what was the what was the send off actually for? I believe he pulled a Victor Radley. He uh, did the old lean in aggressively with the head. Except unlike Victor, he actually got punished. The correct uh, the, yeah. the correct punishment. Like I, I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm not defending uh, the Eels here. That that sort of thing should be stamped out. And send offs are absolutely the fair call there. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I did see that video. I didn't realise that was the the infraction. There you are. Um, yeah, that's fair call. Huh? It was a bit of a throwback to the Hain um, yeah. uh, Slater incident. Yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, unfortunate there. Uh, but Newcastle Knights usually have pretty good jersey flag outfits, so uh, not uh, too bad of, of an outcome. Uh, Knights 35 to the Eel 16 in reserve grade. Played out Cessnock as well. Jack Murchie, Zach Sini, Chris Tupu going over with Jordan Rankin 2 from 3 off the boot. 12-10 uh, at half time. Unfortunately, not enough to overcome. Uh, but Dane Ackerflower uh, coming up against his old team got himself sent into the sin bin as well. <laughs> yes, yeah, a bit of a bit of that happening, wasn't it? Uh, really disappointing result, obviously. Uh, Knights had just two wins coming into that round. Position last on the ladder. Eels were pushing for... Uh, a chance to stay in the hunt for the top four. And, uh, yeah, you looked at that back line on paper. The week before, they performed very well, uh, surprisingly, against the North Sydney Bears, but this was a big reality check. Uh, we got outclassed massively in the backs uh, and in the forwards, obviously, didn't have enough punch. I did like what some of the young fellas brought. Uh, I thought Tony Mattelli had a pretty good stint off the bench. But, yeah, the, the Eels are in, well, I wouldn't say all sorts, but the depth is being tested. You look at that back line and there's not much NRL talent in it. Yeah, you'd think there might be some players from Jersey Flegg who might have a future in the NRL coming up. But mm-hmm. again, it might be the reason for the news that's being reported um, about potential signings for outside backs. Um, all right, well, let's move on from that one and get into the news. So the big news over the weekend was Dylan Brown being charged with five counts of sexual touching or whatever it was down at Double Bay. Uh, now stood down under the uh, no-fault stand-down policy. Um, again, there's been some players that have had similar charges who haven't been stood down, um, so the inconsistency of the NRL continues, uh, but his case isn't back until the end of June now, so he's at least out for the next three or four rounds um, and potentially longer. Yeah, can't. Um, so whilst quite disappointing, um, I guess we are where we are. Yeah, I mean, obviously a massive blow to the Parramatta Reels, but in the context of this uh, circumstance, uh, I trust the NRL, even though it is frustrating that Dylan has been stood down relative to other scenarios where you could argue there was more uh, pressing or dangerous or extreme, uh, whether it was uh, sexual or not, uh, incidents involved and they weren't stood down. Regardless of that, in isolation, I can understand why the NRL would have stood Dill uh, down. Um, if he is guilty, I trust the NRL and the Paramaterials will execute the correct course of action in terms of rehabilitating him. Um, obviously, I don't believe this is a, a, a fireable offence, but there is, if he is guilty, there is definitely something to be learnt from it for him. Like I said, it's a rehabilitative process to make sure he becomes a better person out of it and doesn't do something silly again. If he is innocent, obviously very frustrating that he stood down, uh, but those are the breaks in the NRL. 
Yeah, don't want to go into it too much. We'll just wait for the court process to play out. Um, and for now, I guess it's got the uh, deleterious effect on the uh, NRL team. Uh, that's a word you might use when he's being sentenced. <laughs> um, what, sorry, I'm just trying to think what else we might um, touch on with Dillbags there. I guess the, the, he, he hasn't had a past history of any infractions that I remember. There was the consensual Dunny thing oh, that happened before, true. but... I- that that was like while well, you can argue the ethics of going to the loo and doing that in a club, it was consensual, obviously. So, but he's never he's real outside of that he's been a queen skin. Um, you know, it it seems out of character, but it's not to say he couldn't have done it. And um, if he is in, even if he's innocent, I suppose there is a teaching point for him from this too, in regards to putting yourself in circumstances where you could be, uh, you know, vulnerable to something like that. So. We just hope that he didn't do the wrong thing. And like you said, Hamish, we, we wait for more information to come out. His lawyer, I, I know that there was some talk about the legalese used by his lawyer in not saying that he didn't touch the woman, but rather he did not touch her five times. I don't know if that was because it's a direct counterstatement to what the police are alleging, that he touched her five times. And he's saying that he did not touch her five times, therefore he did not touch her. Uh, but yeah, the they've seen the CCTV footage on the defensive side and they seem to be adamant that there's something there to defend. So we have to wait and see what plays out in three weeks' time. Yeah, and you won't get a resolution in three weeks' time. No, no the, where, the best thing the Eels could, ha- could have happen in three, three weeks' time is that the some either it's settled or there is a, a lowering of the charges some way, somehow, and then the NRL will reevaluate that no-fault stand-down. Now, I guess the lesson there, don't go to, um, to the inner city. Stay out west, deal bags. <laughs> Um, but then uh, the crime of the century NRL investigation into potential meow meow noises oh at the Eels um, uh, media day yesterday. Um, whilst I understand it's complete blow up by the media, you know, boys, just read the room a little bit. You're not wrong. It, it, it also reflects so badly on the Australian media and how soft they are when it comes to throwing a tantrum about that. But yes, like I, I can definitely. In the in the context of what's happening there, you you could definitely say, boys, just pull your heads in. Uh, but yeah, they, what a nothing burger story! Like, come on. Yeah, complete complete agree. Nothing burger there. Um, but uh, we'll wait to see how that gets resolved. I don't think there'll be anything in it, um, other than uh, a couple of the boys. We might be uh, rocking some meow signs on the weekend. Yeah, uh, the, the fact uh, that well, it's gone, know, gone to the integrity unit. You know, like, come on. <laughs> Obviously, they've got a lot of budget to spend yeah. and not much to do. Yep. Uh, the other little bit of news that just popped um, up just before we started recording. Um, so I'm just getting to the newsroom there. Oh, it's the other big bit of news, rather, is uh, Paul Peter McGregor. Uh, that dastardly Liz Frank has come and hit him, um, and he's had surgery on. Uh, it's it's an, is it like a high ankle injury? Is that? Or is Liz Frank something it's, else? It's a foot injury. It's it's pretty common in the NFL. It's it's yeah. It's I was going to say, Bertie, you don't see it too often in the NRL, uh, but it definitely happens in the NRL. NFL, sorry, not not a ton, but way more. And it's pretty much the worst thing you can break in your foot in context of a uh, recovery. Yeah. Um, I it, think JJ White did in the preseason game. It was out for the whole season. Mm-hmm. It's like a four month injury. Like three, well, three, how it is. yeah, three to five months is sort of the the timeline. I think NRL physio put on it. Uh, it's and especially when you're a big boy like Wurumu, uh, you know, there's all that much more pressure being put on your foot just because of the, the KG uh, difference. And yeah, what a what an awful thing for a player was having a hell of a season. Uh, you know, he'd been so good for us. And I believe he did it scoring that try uh, 
uh, if that, that's my understanding of it. So the fact that he got up and played through it and nearly scored a second try is a testament to the toughness that he, he sort of brings to the team. So wish him a speedy recovery. Super optimistic outlook is he might be back for the finals. That is, uh, I want to stress that super optimistic given what NRL Physio has said. Uh, but yeah, big loss. Yeah. And, and it's just that much more frustrating that Big Joe comes in and gets that calf injury. But I suppose in the, in the long-term picture, we are better off with Joe being at the team. He'll come back in and slot into that uh, number three prop role. But yeah, imagine if we had him and Widermu fit and firing and how good this ward back could be. Yeah, with RCG just coming back mm-hmm. this week as well. Um, it seems to be uh, next man up. As soon as one comes back, one goes out at the moment. Yep. Uh, that's been the story of the season so far. Um, and on that, uh, next bit of news is uh, apparently Penrith and Canberra looking at po- poaching... Um, our junior half, the Colonel Sanders, yeah. the Colonel. Um, so Sanders, tell us a little bit about Sanders for you. Uh, real, very well-rounded halfback prospect, one of the best we've had uh, coming through the system in a while. Uh, runs, kicks, and passes, doing the holy trinity of playmaking there very comfortably. Um, has a very well-developed long kicking game, uh, much more than the average half prospect for his age group in flag. Uh, sort of in that regard, he's similar to Mitchell Moses. Uh, with that, the polish on his kicking game, and that's really how the Eels went through that final series, leveraging uh, territory and, and that sort of arm wrestle for the ruck on the back of his kicking game. Uh, he, he's a very good prospect. He plays on the left side, which uh, obviously works out well for the Eels uh, in terms of right now <laughs> with, with, uh, with Dylan being stood down, but I don't think he's in the frame to play NRL right now. Uh, but yeah, the, the big question for Ethan is, uh, the, the article you mentioned also talks about the Eels being confident of keeping him uh, they obviously feel with uh, Jake Arthur no longer at the club, there is a position in the short term to be the understudy of the Mitchell Moses and get those games where he's out for injury suspension or you know state of origin, which might be a factor th- like this year, but not for even. So yeah, it's a very very good prospect. He cleaned up the awards last night, the junior rep presentation night. I believe he got uh, players, player, and best and fairest, which is a fair reflection on the season he had in the SG ball. He's playing well. He was playing Jersey Jersey flag now, but broke his hand, but I didn't see any cast or splint on his hand last night, so shouldn't be too far off a return to the field. Going to be tough to keep him, though. Like That, that is the unfortunate reality of having two high-tier playmakers at 5'8 from halfback in the NRL in Moses and Brown is that you know, you, you've got to try and sell to him that there is a pathway to NRL here with him or for him, and being that Mitchell Moses' understudy might be the key. The fact that he will be the first cab off the rank of either Mitchell or even Dylan get hurt, injured, suspended, etc., uh, might be the key to keeping him here, but the the Penrith Panthers are. I'm surprised they're looking at him, but maybe they know something about Nathan Cleary going somewhere else in terms of rugby union or something. I don't know. Uh, but seem yeah. to have it as a replacement for Jerome Luai, who's oh, off contract at the end of that, next year. That's also a good shout. Yeah, so that that actually makes sense. But yeah, very I mean, very good player. Uh, I I do hope the Eels can keep him because he'd be the perfect understudy of the Mitchell Moses, and uh, might be one of those situations where if you keep him. Maybe just down the road, someone gets a long-term injury and he becomes the guy. I mean, like the way I the way I sell it to him is look, and I don't I hate shitting on players, but look at Luke Brooks, look at Sam Walker at the moment, look at all these young halves who have been thrown into the, the you know the first grade at such a young age, and they've literally flopped or they've burnt out. Like Sam Walker was mentioned, you know, a couple of years ago as pretty much the next big thing, right? I'm talking like the next like the next Nathan Cleary. Oh, Flanagan. Oh. Yeah, well, see, Flanagan was a junior, like as a junior, but like I'm talking about, like when the Roosters come and sign you, like very rarely do they sign a flop. Like I know they got Flanagan from the Sharks, but I'm talking about like as a junior, 
Um, look, I don't look. You look at Melbourne Storm; they've got a young, booming halfback, um, Jonah Pezet. Like you mm-hmm. know, he's stuck behind Munster and Jerome Hughes. So, like, you can sell the idea, or like, It'll be a long-term understudy, and you'll get your chance to be the guy down the road. And look, we we talk about BA being a forwards whisperer, but he's probably a little bit low-key uh, underrated for getting the most out of his halves. Mitchell Moses went to another level coming to Parramatta. Dylan Brown's developed nicely at the Eels, and he's he's made use of some fringe guys when having to, you know, throw in. Uh, sort of those stopgap solutions in the past. So, yeah, it's not like being here at Parramatta would be bad for his development. So you sell him on that, you sell him on being the understudy to one of the best halfbacks in the game and then getting a chance to take over the reins down the road because while Moses is signed up for a long time, a lot can change with those player options in his favour. And then you've got like the whole like, you look at, he can play for his mates. Like you look at, I know Jake Arthur's not here anymore, but you had the Rouse Hill Rhinos connection. You had, you know, Sean Russell coming through with Will Pinacini. Um, you know, like you got like, he can play with his mates. For him, he's going to have to start over at um, Penrith. At least if he stays with us, it's going to be his team in five years' time, in my opinion, right? Mm-hmm. When Moses Moses will be gone. Well, over at Penrith, you're pretty much behind, you, you, you know, the Robin to Batman behind Cleary. And even then, they've got, like, what if they have a Gun Jr. coming through? Now, Raiders, they're in a total rebuild. So I just, I can see him, go, if he wants to quickly, you know, make his debut and get some game time and then get his contract, then he'll probably go Penrith or, you know, most likely, right? And that's what, be the best he, he might get an offer that's too good to refuse too. One of those teams or another could come in and, and just give him, you know, money to set him and his family up for the immediate future. And that that's how the NRL is these days. So if that happens, it happens. But I think Parramatta are in a good position to sell him a very viable path to first grade and an ideal path to, to hone his skills and be the better first grader in the long term. What, and what, it, I'll, I'll say you get before we, I was going to say, before we wrap up, what's a player comp... For him, like, is he? Because I've seen some of it mentioned. He's like a Barrett or like a Freddie sort of like top player. Am I like completely wrong in uh, seeing that? Or I, I don't think Trent... the next Andrew Johns. I don't. I don't think. I don't Trent's help. the right answer there. Um, Trent was such a strong running. I mean, even he's a good runner. But like I said, he's very well balanced in the three phases of the game: run, kick, and pass. Um, yeah, like I said, that the fact that his long kicking game is so well polished, real it really draws comparisons to Mitchell Moses. Uh, but he also can run the ball strongly too. So yeah, I mean, in house Mitch isn't a terrible comparison. Um, whether he can develop that short side acumen that Mitch has, that is the best in the competition. We have to wait and see. Uh, but you know, as always, with these young guys, you make the comparisons, but you want them to be their own players too. And also not putting too many wraps on them too early because, uh, you know, yourself and Ham, you've been running through the juniors for de- well over a decade now. And how many um, halfbacks have we thought mm-hmm. had pretty good wraps around this age uh, yeah. coming out of the SG ball I mean, and then go that's on? That's the thing. Ethan has all there. the physical tools to succeed, but there is a lot between that and the NRL. You know, just exactly. on-field, off-field, luck, drive, desperation, commitment. Uh, all injuries. The in- exactly, injuries. All those intangibles or immeasurables, things that you can't control. Uh, a lot can happen between now and then. Uh, last bit of news to come out of that same article. Uh, apparently, we have some interest in the Forbes Ferrari. Uh, Charlie Staines from West Tigers, he suffered that bowel um, tear earlier in the year. Um, but as we're just running through that reserve grade back line, um, given you've got Zach Sini playing at fullback, you're now looking at having Dejan Arce, um coming up to first grade for the foreseeable future. You can understand why they sort of want just some fill-ins in reserve grade there. I think he'd be more of a reserve grade um, player as opposed to playing long time at first grade level. I'd be loath to make a long-term commitment to him uh, as a stopgap solution. Sort of this year and maybe next, I could, I could, if you pardon the the pun for the poor man who's going through the the bowel laceration, stomach it. 
Um, but yeah, not not a huge fan of that potential pickup. But there is no arguing we need depth in the back line. Unless Tigers are paying for half his salary, I don't see, I don't see the use because he'd be stuck at Winnie. And you know we've got a young uh, gun uh, fullback coming through. It was the the hyphen? Is it Albert something Smith? I can't remember his name. Arthur Miller Stephen. That's it. Yeah, exactly. So I'd rather have unless they're paying half his contract. It's just taking up you know contract space in the salary cap. So I'd rather give it to a youngster coming through. You know. So yeah, I don't know why, why are we signing all these West Tigers players. Do they want to piss me off? <laughs> Seriously, they're definitely going directly after you, Bertie, just oh, to get in your crawl. Why don't we just sign Luke Brooks while we are? We need a backup halfback. <laughs> uh, pass. Um, that's about all the news that we have. Um, other than uh, when and the women's rugby league starts pretty soon, doesn't it? Not too far off. If we just jump on NRL and look at the draw uh, to the NRL women's premiership. Speaking of women's football, 20- that was a nasty injury to. Oh, the throat, the shift oh, to the throat. Oh. Yeah. Makes one sick. Twenty uh, second of July, so a bit over a month and a bit, sort of, was it a month and maybe a week and a half? Yeah, it's a bit of a shame that they have. Uh, I don't know why they're trying to tie it in, um, but having the uh, women's origin played at the same time when they've hardly had a preseason. Mm. I know they've had the um, the Harvey women's uh, Harvey Norman women's premiership going, but there's a fair few players that have been out of that or haven't had much football coming into the um, origin. Okay, let's move over to previews of Flag this week. Uh, so Friday, they're playing at Friday, is that right? Because there was a switch between yeah. the... Yeah. I think they, they made it a bit more confusing because the initials reported as the New South Wales Cup, but I believe it's the Flag playing on Friday. and the at Cup. Belmore. That's right, and yeah. the Cup will be the actual curtain raiser on the Monday public holiday. Yeah, well, presently, uh, New South Wales Rugby League has us playing a team that isn't named um, for the Bulldogs. So all of their players are apparently out, uh, but that's just classic. Easy, easy to believe. <laughs> um, but there's a couple of players coming back in here. Do we know why um, Matt Arthur isn't playing in the... I believe he's been suspended for a hip drop tackle, which I I'm, I'm not sure if they're challenging uh, because I, I think it might have been a real borderline hip drop call. But with how things are with those, the, the don't call it a crackdown, crackdown, uh, who knows? Okay, but, and I'll see Ethan Marth- Martin return at fullback, and then you've got Richard Penasini, who's played a little bit on the wing coming into this grade, same halves, uh, but Jacob Davis coming down from uh, reserve grade to play hooker. And a young uh, Patty Spence making his flag debut as the utility uh, to replace uh, Woods. Lindsay Monroe, number 18, isn't he um, a, a, a half-pack, a fullback? I think he, he's fullback based on what he played for us, but I imagine he could probably play uh, maybe 5-8 for thereabouts with a good controlling halfback. Um, interested to see what Arpa Twidal can do in the halves. Uh, he's only played fullback for us in SG Ball where he did an outstanding job. He was very, very good. Uh, but he's pretty well built, so maybe he can hand, um, handle that frontline defense. Um, good runner of the ball, so maybe he can uh, leverage that and uh, play that 5-8 for all, but I don't know. And then into uh, the knock-on effect, New South Wales Cup, which will be the curtain raiser at Acor Stadium. It will be televised on Foxtel, 1.40pm on Monday, the 12th of June. So Bulldogs are now in first. Oh, and sorry, just going back to the flag, the Bulldogs there are running fourth to our eighth. And Bulldogs with seven wins, four losses. Us with five wins, seven losses. And then into knock-on effect, New South Wales Cup. So Bulldogs in first against us in eighth, um, which will see the return of Hayes Dunster on the wing and Jock Brazel returns uh, to the reserve grade team on the interchange bench. Other than that, it's 
looking fairly similar to what it has looked. As you've touched on 40, that back line is um, looking a little bit decimated. Yeah, it's looking very Ron Massey Cup territory. It's uh, not strong. Obviously, Hayes returning helps a lot. Um, hopefully, he's getting back to you know fitness. But the fact that he's sort of on two fronts fighting that long-term injury and then whatever he picked up recently um, is, is obviously tough. Uh, but, yeah, the, the halves are probably going to change as well. Dejan Arce named at 5'8". Uh, I'm not expecting the play, given the Dylan Brown news. So the, I don't know who goes into the halves now. Um, I really don't know. Um, good to see Jonte named to start again. I think he's been pretty good and he's getting better and better uh, with the more reps he's getting in the reserve-grade fixtures, which, you know, who would have thought they're getting more... Not This isn't a knock on the club. This is just like, you know, who would have thought for me... Uh, getting more game time equals a chance to grow as a player, but good to see him doing that. Um, and, yeah, I, I do like the bench in terms of uh, Tony, Tavita, and Jock, uh, a trio of young forwards there. More chance to develop them. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be tough. The the dogs dusted us up back in, uh, was it round nine or round seven? I can't remember when we played them last time. I think it was 28-6. Uh, they really breezed past us. Um, we've gotten worse on paper, and they look like they are probably – uh, probably a little bit weaker in terms of no Carlo Wapu in the halves, uh, but pretty pretty well balanced all around. And then over to first grade, 4pm on Monday, the 12th of June. Uh, so public holiday there. Bulldogs in 15th against the Eels in 12th. Second matchup this season. Uh, so this is the home game for the Dogs. And there's a couple of codes flying around. So if you want to get some free tickets like I did, um, keep your eyes peeled uh, on the socials for those. But let's have a look at the team list for the Bulldogs, which will see Hayes, Perham at fullback, Karaz and Josh Adokar on the wings, Jake Avrilo, Paul Alamotti in the centres, Carl Oluwapu and Matt Burton in the halves, Max King, JT, uh, TPJ rather, in the starting front row. Reed Money presently named. He's still got to overcome um, the head injury assessment tests. Jade Ockenbohr and Jacob Preston in the second row, Harrison Edwards at lock. Khaled Rajab, Curtis Morin, Chris Patola, pa- Patolo, sorry, Corey Waddell on the interchange bench, Kyle Flanagan, Jackson Topine, Braden Burns, Blake Wilson, and Frank Pele on the extended bench. And then for us, we had Gutherson at fullback, Sivo, Sean Russell on the wings, Penasini, Bailey Simonson in the centres, Dill Brown, Mitch Moses in the halves, Regan Campbell Gillard, and Junior Paulo uh, named a prop. Um, and obviously, Dill Brown will be out. We're expecting Dejan Arcee to come into the halves there. Josh Hodgson starting hooker, Bryce Cartwright, and Andrew Davey returns in the second row. Jermaine Hopgood at lock. Off Hickey Ogden, Brendan Hands, Matt Dury, Makahasi, Makatoa on the bench. Dejan Arcee was named as 18th man, but we expect him to slot in. And then you've got Jack Murchie, Kai Rodwell, Hayes Dunster, and Luca Moretti on the extended bench um, so looking at all of that boys you have to say we've got the stronger team on paper even with no Dylan Brown I think the Eels do match up spot for spot in general uh, fairly ahead of the Bulldogs and you'd want to hope coming off the bye a much needed bye in terms of the time uh, with our injuries and guys getting probably just nicked up and then compounding that with <clears throat> just uh, the sort of siege mentality you hope they're embracing on the back of uh, you know the whole Dylan Brown situation that they come out and really tear in on Monday. Hey, your thoughts? Yeah, like you know, even though we've had we've got injuries in our forward pack, or you know we've got plenty of injuries, it's still a very strong um, team. Like you look at the Bulldogs bench, without disrespecting them, like I don't think they're a first grade standard. They're they're more like reserve grade. Like I don't know, I've never heard of Coloured Rajab. I've only the only one I know is Corey Waddell. So 
Then you look at our team, look, Offer, he got Ogden, he has, you know, he has a Mr. Beat since coming to first grade. Brendan Hare. Ex-Bulldog, wasn't he? Yeah, ex-Bulldog. He actually, um, ironic, he's the one that, um, I think he need Nathan Brown before and hurt him. <laughs> I know, that's, you can look, you know, look back and laugh at it now, like. He was ahead of the Brendan. times. Yeah, because he's a winger. Um, but yeah, you know, Brendan Hands, you know, we've got a guy on Discord who loves him, thinks he's the best. Um, Dory, like, it's good to see Dory, you know, maybe we might have a, re a revenge game against his old team. And um, yeah, yeah, look, I'm, I'm confident. Look, the last time I think they beat us, I think Pango got under our skin and, you know, intimidated us. But, you know, we got Reg back. I think Reg can, you know, take care of take care of business. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just literally comes down to Mitchell Moses. You know, I know he's going to be the chief playmaker. He's already chief playmaker, but everything has to go through him. So I don't know if the Bulldogs will put a lot of attention into him and, um, you know, try to minimize him. But, yeah, it's going to be tough for Asi if he does play. Uh and so we touched on before, but Reed Marnie, he uh, was Category 2 last week. Um, so he's still got testing to come on Friday um, as to whether or not he can play on Monday. But it seems like the news out is they're expecting him to play. But if he's not going to, Cough Flanagan has been playing dummy half in reserve grade. So they expect him to slot in there at 9. But they don't have a notable hooker in, mm. the, ex in the extended bench. I, I expect them to pass Reed. I feel like concussion testing's taken a step backwards the last fortnight in the NRL. Between, uh, I mean, the Reed one, you can at least make an argument because the initial assessment was Cat 2. Uh, and yes, he's been, he's copped a few head knocks in the last few weeks, actually. Tino Fasuomala Awi also got him with that uh, forearm or elbow the week before, before um, Joseph Swali'i uh, raised that knee. Um, and he's been cleared on both accounts. But and you throw in the Tommy Tobojevic downgrade from Cat 1 to Cat 2, and it's kind of like, what are we doing here? Yeah, um, that's certainly something that should be raised, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but looking uh, across the rest of the team, yeah, Bertie, as you touched on, I think our bench wins uh, are there, and then the return of RCG. Obviously, he's been without a run, but the bloke's got a motor on him. That just goes for days. And a couple of those players that are on the bench have stood up without uh, in his absence or in Junior Paulo's absence. So we'd expect um, them to put in a good showing off the bench as well if... Uh, the minutes for Reg are limited. And then Dejan Arce, what um, can you tell us about him in reserve grade there, 40? Yeah, he's uh, started the season, well, he missed the start of the season, sorry, but when he did get into play, was uh, slotted in at fullback, where he did a pretty good job. Uh, but more recently, he's transitioned back in the halves of Jake Arthur, moving on to Manly, uh, where I think he's been largely positive. I'm um, still very young, just 22 years of age, uh, decent ball runner and ball player, probably not the strongest kicker, uh, but when you've got Mitchell Moses as your potential halves partner, you know, you, you know that he's going to be doing most of the goal the goal kicking, the general play kicking anyway. Uh, so I think uh, if he is our guy, you bring him in, uh, you, you don't, you know, treat him with baby mittens or, or you know, with the kid gloves, uh, but you've got a framework for him to be the, you know, the sort of low-pressure guy. Mitchell Moses, Quinton Garferson, Josh Hodgson and Brendan Hands, they're the ones that can leverage all the high-pressure uh, moments in this game against the Bulldogs. He just needs to go out there, make his tackles, distribute the ball cleanly, and then maybe they'll throw in a few different looks where he can be the feature guy, uh, but there'll be, I feel like, high percentage options where he's set up to succeed. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, just run the ball when it's on. It, um, it, exactly. Unfortunately, you don't have a Sean Lane outside you, but you've got, um, we expect Bryce Cartwright to play that side? Uh, no, because Bryce, uh, no, really last, right. last week when uh, I thought that might happen, Bryce stayed with Mitchell Moses. So I think Andrew Davey will take over on the left. But still an exper experienced second rower there. And then also on the left, he'll have 
uh, Sebo and Bailey Simonson. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, those so, those like, two have been clicking. That's um, right. The, the left edge has been pretty good in that regard. So they'll all obviously all do their best to make him feel uh, welcome if he is the option. Um, I mean, we, we're assuming it's him because that's what the press is reporting. The Eels could go a different way still. You could throw Brendan Hands in the 5-8 for Bryce Cartwright. Uh, but the least disruptive move, which I always feel is generally the best one, uh, would be to bring Dejan in. There's no Gufferson going into the halves. There's no Bryce Cartwright going out of the back row, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah I think that's right. I was going to say, last year, you know, when we had the outside backs injuries, we started playing around. You know, we moved penis to the wing. Like, it's just – and we, we pretty much compromised three or four positions just – try and you know we're in a tough situation just try and minimize the damage and just if it only affects one position which you know because i don't want to like put guffo into the halves and bring in another fullback so just just bring in another five eight you know make it simple for him you know do a ben roberts style just run the ball that's it make your tackles and run the ball and if you see opportunity give the ball to um uh davy and possibly well, some exactly um and we know that guffo is a very strong right to left passer so i wouldn't be surprised if we just use him as the primary playmaker down that edge trying to find Sivo uh, with that cutout ball. Uh, and then you just No need... intercepts, though, Gutho. <laughs> yes. Although he... Do you get... Has he been intercepted down the left edge? I feel like he's only been intercepted down the no, right edge. No, it's been the right. Yeah, yeah. it is. He's left to right yeah, pass. Yeah, that's sort of, a bit more readable down that edge. He can't get the same zip or the ability to float it over as comfortably. Um, so, yeah. Uh, right right to left, Gutho is pretty much money, and I'd expect him to be... Except they get called forward sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. He can stay a little bit closer to the win in that regard. He's certainly no Darius Boyd in terms of getting away with it, uh, but no. he, he does have a pretty good right-to-left pass, and I think um, Dejan will be the pivot for those backline moves with uh, Guffo being the main man to finish him off. Yep, that sounds exactly right there, Forty. Um, so let's just have a look through um, some of the recent history. So the Bulldogs going down 24-25 to 25 against the Roosters last week, but then before that, they had a win against the Titans, losses against Warriors, Raiders, and a win against the Dragons, whereas we come into this, uh, that win over the Cowboys looking a little bit better now, even though they had a fair few players out, but they almost put 50 on Storm last week, uh, and then of course the win against the Rabbitohs before that, so this origin period, we've sort of been marking down this next five, six, seven games as, as the period where we really need to stack up wins. If we get a win here, we go to 50-50 on the season. Um, which is a good stepping stone to then move through the origin period and come out of the back um, to stake a claim in the top eight, um, given how stacked the ladder is at the moment. And with our positive for, uh, for and against, um, puts us in a really good position. Uh, looking at our last two matchups, so we beat them earlier in the year, 30-4, to four, and then last year, 42-6. to six. That was that game prior that they uh, gave us a bit of a bath. And that was at Parramatta Stadium, wasn't it? It was, yeah. We got ambushed big time in that one. Uh, but then beat them on their home turf in the second game. So I guess they're danger men there. Adokar on the wing. They do like to put in that um, that early kick for him, especially off a scrum play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Gutho will have to be uh, have his wheels on uh, to make sure that that's being covered. And so will Sivo. He'll have to be alive to that because a couple of times he's been caught out, whether it be a 40-20 or, or a shift play. Um he really needs to have uh, his looking and thinking, uh, looking eyes on, thinking brain on. <laughs> Other than that, I don't. They're really their two danger men, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, obviously we know that TP Jake Avarillo, maybe. Yeah, Jake Avarillo's uh, got a bit of speed too, and uh, Al- Alamotti can be a bit of a, a sort of wrecking ball runner. But in the forwards, you know, Max King's a worker. Tavita Pango Jr. Yes, he can have a big game, but he's just as likely to do something silly. Uh, Jacob Preston's been their big breakout player. I think he's been very good. But again, he's not like, you know, an X-Factor guy to watch out for. 
Uh, and I know Bertie already laid into their bench, but it's not much. And Car- Carlo Rajab is, a, I believe, a halfback by trade. So I'm not really sure what he's doing on the interchange, uh, short of being emergency cover for Owapu or Burton. So maybe they're going to try him out of dummy half. I don't know. Um, maybe he's like the extra cover for Reed Marnie on top of uh, Kyle Flanagan. If Flanagan comes in, they'll do a battery at a dummy half. But yeah, this this is a game here for the Eels to win, even with all the injuries, even with the setback of Dylan Brown being stood down. Reg is back. Junior's back. Should be uh, you know a very strong platform for the middle. Jermaine Hopgood's playing for a potential origin berth. Uh, there's, you know, Reg also, I mean, I say Reg, strictly speaking, he is playing for potential origin berth, but he's not one of the uh, Cleary clique or the Penrith clique, so he probably won't get picked. Um, but, yeah, real full-strength backline for the Eels, uh, big reinforcements in the four-pack, even with the loss of Wira McGreg. So, yeah, let's get into it. Let's, you know, let's take it to him, play physical football, um, looking for Ogden and Makatoa to continue their strong runs of form off the interchange. Matt Dury's got plenty to play for. He can be the real impact guy off the interchange for us. So go out there, play the same football that you've played the last couple of games, and I think you'll go a long, a long, long way to putting on a pretty reasonable score. But just on Rajab, he uh, partnered Mitch Moses in the halves for Lebanon uh, in the World Cup. There you go. When uh, Duahi was out, or Dewey, how are you pronouncing? Um, but you're right, he is a halves player, so I don't quite know what he's doing there. Uh, mm. But yeah, I think everything you've touched on there, 40, that's where we can win. Bash them up the middle, as we like to do, and then spread it on to the wings. Uh, let Mitch play down short side what he needs to, have Gutherson link on that left side uh, so that all the ball playing isn't just on Arcee's shoulders. And that's the keys to success. But don't get caught down in the grind and the garbage because the Bulldogs like to uh, make a fracker, uh, get everybody yes, to run and in, um, and we don't need to get caught up in like, the rubbish. And like you said, just be awake to those trick plays. Because the Bulldogs do love to pull one on us, uh, you know whether it's using Jack or uh, you know Avarillo or something like that, they're going to try one at some point. I feel like, and and obviously the other thing is you know the quote unquote Burton bombs, but I think Guffo's been in really good touch with those this year. Uh, all those real high testing kicks, he's been pretty safe, and I expect him to do that again on Monday. Yeah, I guess Sean Russell, I guess is the danger man under the high ball. sivo has um, been taking them pretty well. Um, if you're going to pick one out of the back three to be uh, a target for those bombs, it'll probably be Sean. Um, but he's been pretty safe the last couple of weeks. Yeah, since, since his uh, stint in Reggie's, um, he came back and it looked like, it honestly, just looked like there was the yips. Like he just had that run where, you know, he was just doubting himself and dropping relatively straightforward kicks, let alone difficult ones. And since then, I, I, I can't really think of a ball he's dropped. He's been very safe. Yeah, it was actually Great. against the Bulldogs last time. There's a couple of dropouts and short kickoffs. You know, he was sort of like... They, they end up picking on him, yeah. And yeah. despite despite the big win in the end, uh, yeah, we we squandered some first half possession or possession opportunities in those line dropouts because uh, they got to Russell. Okay, well, I think that's as much as we can touch on. So first of all, Ham sent me his prediction. So I'll start with him first. Was it Eels sixty to no? Sorry, um, <laughs> Power to win uh, twenty two to six with Penasini first try scorer birdie. I'm gonna go because I don't like to play it safe. I'm gonna go the mustard. Dejan Arcee to score first. Inside-outside play with um, Guffo. So, I I don't know. I, look, I don't know nothing about Arcee, but wouldn't this throw the Bulldogs off, you know, throw a spanner in the wicks, um, works, whatever. Put um, Guffo to, you know, 5-8 for a couple of plays and then have Arcee at fullback, you know, throw them off a bit. So, yeah, I'm going to go Arcee first try scorer. I'm going to go uh, 34, para, uh, Bulldogs, 8. And um, once again, I think Pinacini is going to, you know, he's going to demolish Alamotti, you know, in and away. He's going to embarrass him again. And yeah, maybe Alamotti might be like, ta-da, and go to the North Queensland Cowboys just to get away from um, 
Young Will. <laughs> Over to you, 40. Um, we won 30 to 6 last time, and I think that's probably the, the ballpark we'd be aiming for again. Obviously, you'd like a bigger win, um, but I will keep it reasonable. I'd say about maybe 26 or 28 to, uh, say, 10 or 12. So a nice, comfortable victory. Uh, first try scorer. Oh, I don't know. Um, RC is a, is a fun tip, like Bertie said. Maybe maybe it's the big man coming back. Maybe Josh Hodgson's going to feed Reagan Campbell-Gillard, and we're going to have some chunky soup uh, for dinner. He did score against him last time yeah. and um, let Reed Marnie know about it. <laughs> You're right about that. The touchdown spike, Bronx spike. Yeah, he did. Did you get up with the big touchdown spike? Yep. Um, all right. Well, just looking at the season stats, so the Bulldogs are not as great at scoring points, averaging 17 points a game and conceding 25. Eagles scoring 24 and conceding 20. So how about I put it down uh, 26-18 to the Eels. And I'm going to go over to the right edge. Um, Sean Russell, the love muscle, to get over first. Well, I think that wraps it all up for this week. Um, hopefully get some good news on Dillbags in the next couple of weeks. Um, until then, oh, we wait with bated breath. Uh, but Dejan Arce, he's going to step up and do the job. Yes, sir. And like we said, we've got the, the sort of platform and the players to get this done with or without Dylan and Wittermu. Uh, you know, as the bad breaks come towards the Parramatta Reels. But I think the silver lining is, you know, if you get Dill back and then obviously the forwards, they'll be all fit and recharged for the push in the back end of the season to make that run into the top four. I will say this right before we go. I don't, and I don't want to sound negative, but I, I find it tough that we're going to have our strongest 17 for one game this year because... It has been a battle. It, it yeah. has been a battle. And that is very fair, boys. And to the players' credit, the, you know, they've never let it get blown out on the scoreboard. Biggest loss remains 10 points against uh, Brisbane, I believe, up in Darwin. Uh, they've, they've managed to control the losses, and while it's been frustrating not always get the win, our for and against has been the big you know, profiteer of it. We've got one of the best for and against in the competition, and that's going to position us really well if we start winning games to make a surge up the ladder. So despite all the injuries and all the bad luck, the boys have done pretty well. Yep, and through this origin period, we're playing a couple of teams that'll have big outs for origin where we only really expect to lose. Um, junior, um, although there is some talk about yeah, potentially Phil, Phil Gould's got me but, nervous Phil Gould's got me nervous because all the media is saying Adam Reynolds but he's the one that Freddie listens to no I think it's Nico Hines he's been in the extended he's been the 18th man for the last four games like to slot him in at seven please don't pick Mitch because it's a lose-lose situation he mm-hmm. goes up to Queensland we lose um, even if he puts on three and puts on scores three puts on three tries and we lose by you know a point um, and none of it's his fault and he has a, a whale of a game he'll be um, blamed as every New South Half Wales uh, New South Wales halfback is or he wins and it'll be in spite of him will be the narrative coming out so don't pick Mitch uh, screw New South Wales go Parramatta yes sir Oh,